but, I, what I would like to say is welcome to episode 127 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration and other sundry topics. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network, and on the panel this week we have Karen Yanner. I'm Karen Yanner at karenyanner.com. Sokar Miles. Agorblamey.com. Patrick McAvoy. At the soon-to-be-revamped megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And uh, we're thinking of making this episode another critique episode, this time putting our own artwork on the chopping block. But uh, if you guys don't mind, I would like to start with that little bit of uh, that recent news item, which uh, rocked the RPG gaming art world. <laughs> we all know, of course, that being the announcement that Alderac Entertainment Group would no longer be uh, using a post-publication payment schedule, but instead would be going to 90 days uh, from acceptance of art, which is a what doesn't sound like a, a tremendous leap forward. It is actually a pretty significant one for this company. Um, yes. I, I actually... Uh because of that uh, little note that went out, I got in touch with them and uh, said, "Hey, I'll I'll do some work for you." And I got a very nice response back, and looks like I'll be doing some creatures for L5R. So that's that cool. Kind of nice. I think I'll be writing to them next too. They, that, I think we got to show some support to that change. Yes. But. Uh... What do you guys think? What do you think would be the? Uh, I mean, for one thing, I mean, it's, it's yes, there there are plenty of arguments that say there are probably other problems with their contract. But um, what do you think oh. a movement like this would mean to the uh, the larger RPG tabletop gaming world? Where I mean, we're seeing one of the uh, the more venerable companies that have used this type of contract for ages untold finally leaving it behind. It's. Uh, I rather wonder if we're going to see other publishers start to follow suit. Well, you know, a step in the right direction is a step in the right direction. And sure. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it will be the beginning of a larger trend towards fairer practices for illustrators and other independent contractors involved, and that would be great. So, you know, big uh, hang up with flags for them. I'd support them with my work too, but I don't want to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, no, it's not that. It's yeah. the, so well, I don't think I don't think they print black and white, so I don't I, think I'd be much use. <laughs> I think it's important. I think in all the revelations, I think it's important not to overlook that it was the the efforts of the art directors that managed to get this uh, change made, and that they continue. And I, we understand that they also will be continuing to uh, try to improve the uh, the contract over the over the coming years. That's great. I mean, the idea of the art director as advocate for the creative uh, creatives that they work with, I think, is a, it's a huge step. And I think it's something that people need to be mindful of. You know, I think that was one of the big – that was probably one of the big topics of conversation when Art Pact was first uh, positioned. And the idea that art directors would use Art Pact as a resource to present to their employers about what best practices are – do you think Art Pack actually had a role in affecting? Well, I think it, it did it, an ex- to an extent in that they, they they themselves admit that they had no direct contact with AEG when this change was being proposed, and 
but I do think that more illustrators being informed and um, complaining and making it known that they don't agree with the uh, that type of contract over the over the over the span of years. Yeah. I mean that kind of. Um, I, I think it raised the volume a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised. So. Uh, so that's that's really good. Um, and we were. Uh, I, did we? Give the specifics to people, just just so everybody knows. So, AEG was on a uh, uh, payment, I believe, ninety days after publication. Yes, which was pretty ridiculous, as you've pointed out before, Jeremy. You know that is a lot like the artist giving a loan to the publisher. Yeah, I, I, I had uh, interest-free loan. Yeah, I had um, I had written something similar on Facebook, and I kind of position in front of our peers and I had some good response and then uh, I was approached by ArtPack to write a more formal article ah. about the topic and uh, that was featured on the blog in two parts. Um, I, I, the completely vain side of me would say, oh yes, clearly that was a rallying call. No, no, this is something I've been fomenting for years and um, mm-hmm. it was just, a, really it was just, a, I think it's just a coincidence of timing and uh, much of it being laid at the feet of uh, guys like um, the um, so like the art directors at AEG right now. My brain is a little bit fuzzy from uh, lack of sleep. Uh, <laughs> I know Adrian Burton and um, uh, Argyle Studios. Argyle, yes. Steve yes. Argyle. I think their efforts in recent years were clearly the uh, what was needed. Mm, that's really great, though. So and so they, they definitely deserve some, some positive attention for that. So they went, they went from – oh, go ahead, Karen. I was going to say, quite honestly, I think any, any medium-sized business um, should be paying their bills within 30 days. I mean, I'm pretty sure every other bill that comes their way, they pay within 30 days. Um, there should be no difference between artists. I pay my bills within 30 days, and I have a very small business. So, you That's know, a really good point. It's, it's not like – you know, people that own that company, um, you know, don't get a nice chunk of change from it. Um, exactly. Oh, yeah. And I, it's, you know, you look at you look at the, um, you know, and that kind of goes into a, a larger picture with um, um, the pay of CEOs to the pay of the lowest worker uh, in the United States. And you, you compare somewhere like Japan, uh, which is, I think it was 11 times um, is, is the ratio in Japan of the, the CEO to lowest paid worker and then in the United States it's like 136 times or something oh yeah, yeah getting a little bit out of hand there <laughs> you know I mean it's, it's kind of a endemic problem in the United States um, and you know it, it just it affects um, you know all businesses um, and I think it's just a really kind of sad kind of state of affairs yeah. um, you know i mean it's not just the rpg um industry it's it's all industries um you know ceos and presidents and, and hiring management need to take a smaller cut so everyone else gets a fair shake yeah, yeah. The, the i think the one of the primary arguments i made in the article i wrote was that artists and creatives in general both are artists writers people in, in that um in that milieu were being used as a free source of of uh, credit, we were being used to mark to. Lend, we were basically funding products. 
uh, with our, uh, by, willing, by our willingness to extend credit for such long periods and without any kind of consideration. So, yeah, well, take a pay cut and then you won't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just basically, I can, I, the attractiveness of uh, our willing, basically, we, we obviously we love to work on this type of material and there was that, there was a preying upon that love <laughs> to finance products in the short term and sometimes <laughs> the, the long term. <laughs> but, um, it was interesting. It's great to see AEG taking a step in the right direction, and I hope we'll yeah. see more of that happening. And they uh, they admit that it's not all the way that they would want to do. It's it's down from payment after publication to net ninety, which is you know still not the way people do things in normal businesses. But yes, we should applaud any step, and uh, it's a significant one for a uh, as you said a fairly venerable company in this uh, field in, uh, uh, and, and yeah why not why not just say okay good for you folks uh, step <laughs> in the right direction is a step in the right direction keep it up keep now, it up what kind of now do you think uh, we, 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 I, 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 I give much of the credit to the art directors for being vocal with the upper management at AEG, and I wonder um, how much of that we can also lay at the feet of simple of freelancer pushback, where we just had more artists who were willing to say no, and that that it's really, you know, hard, to, it's really hard to speculate. Um, yeah, you know, um, well, re- reading the tea leaves, not to give anything away from, you know, the letter that was sent out because it wasn't strictly confidential. But on the other hand, I'm sure they don't want to, you know. Uh, tell everybody what internal notes they send to the artists, but sort of reading the tea leaves, I get the idea that they're, it's enlightened self-interest on their part too. They're going to be expecting uh, that this is going to increase the quality of the work sure. and the quality of the people that are going to be working for them. So, you know, it, it's, it's a very short-sighted thing, which is done over and over, so <laughs> to the point where the short-sightedness becomes uh, the norm. Uh, to think, well, you know, you can you can uh, pay low rates to artists, and then uh, somehow magically the uh, the products are going to be great, and people buy them, and then maybe eventually everyone's going to get paid more, uh, or not just low rates, but of course the, the payment terms. Uh, but you know that never happens. It never pans out. The people who pay more and the people who pay better terms uh, have the better products that that win awards and sell a lot, and uh, the people who pay less do not. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's good of AEG in a way to sort of acknowledge that reality, and I'm sure they will increase their uh, quality. Oh, certainly, certainly. Now, um, any other topics of discussion we wanted to move on, or do we want to move right into our critiquing? The Ninja Mountain Podcast. We come within 50 feet of your ears, despite the restraining orders. Let's start with you, Jeremy, since you sent out your picture first. Sure, sure, Taz. Oh, oh, wait, before we finish, sure. I, I, I wonder if, if there's anybody, any particular companies we want to say they're, they are doing it great. Not everybody really is nickel and diming. I mean, uh, 
you know, Wizards of the Coast pays uh, on time. Uh, uh, Monty Cook uh, Games, uh, Numenera, uh, pays fantastically. Um, Wizards but, actually up their rates. Yeah. Oh, That's fantastic. What I'd heard. Yeah. I heard that Fantasy Flight Games was making some improvements, but. I haven't worked for them in forever, so I can't really say what they did. Well, you know, <laughs> early on, Fantasy Flight, at least in, in the early days when I was doing work for them, they were a post-publication. Yeah, they used to be. Company, um, and they were probably made. They made the move much sooner than AEG, and I do not know if their rates improved I that much no over idea. time. But the last time I worked for them was when they did that Call of Cthulhu art book. Oh, that was a while ago. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I know. I did. That. I think I drew like the border for 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 the that went around the text pages or something, mm. and it had like some goats and octopus on it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they the initial contract they gave me for that was payment on publication, but I asked for payment on completion and got it. So. Um, I, I think they might have been in the stages of changing to that model then. I don't know if they ever did or not, but I've heard some good things about them lately, so it looks like they're, I don't know, I can't really say because I don't, <laughs> but uh, keep an eye on them anyway. Let's see what they do. Yeah. It should be interesting <laughs> to see what uh, these changes do to some of the smaller companies and their ability to get artists to work under those types of terms, you know, post-publication terms. Your mileage will vary. Um, you can't, I mean, you can't always compare the situations of medium-sized companies with ones that are just starting out or operating out of a garage or just... You know, actually, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, uh, there was some stuff kind of said because, we're, you know, with having the, the change in minimum wage in Seattle to $15 an hour, uh, which is actually going to be set out a, a number of years besides larger businesses, which are going to be um, more of an immediate change. Um, you know, to give you an idea of things, um, you know, Australian minimum wage is $16.57 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and uh, there was some stuff that was kind of set around Seattle, and one of the comments was, um, if you can't afford to pay your workers minimum living wage, you shouldn't be in business. That's true. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you know what else I hate? I hate it when these arguments come up, and some doofus invariably comes along and says, "Well, if you don't want to work a crappy minimum wage job, don't demand more money. Go to university and get a better job." Well, I mean, not everybody is cut out for university to begin with, and even if everybody did go, we'd still need people to make our coffee and deliver our food. So we just have a lot of over-educated pizza drivers well, on the street. Well, that and education, the cost of a <laughs> exactly. higher, well, also exactly. the, the cost of higher education has really, according to some statistics, has really outstripped the uh, exactly. the earning potential. <laughs> oh, especially, yeah. especially in the United States. I applied to one of your glorious institutions um, in the United States, and as a foreign student, I would have been charged something like $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And it's it's complete. You know, people say, "Well, just get an education," but they they fail to see, they realize how much that costs, yeah, and how I mean, far out of reach that is. I mean, I think even for Americans, it was like something like thirty or fifty thousand dollars a year to attend this particular institution. Mm -hmm. I went to university here for about thirty-five hundred dollars a year. Sure. But uh, uh, well, yeah. yeah. 
But it was okay. interesting that you were saying you, know, <laughs> you you figure yeah I have to I have to agree that if if a if a company can't afford the basics of a the, a basic wage for its employees and you have to wonder at the health of that company. Exactly. I mean, you know, once once the cafe opens, you know, I'm going to be required. Well, I mean, I'm not going at that point. I'm not going to be required to pay fifteen dollars an hour. It's probably going to be about. I think the minimum wage is ten dollars and ten cents or something at the moment. Um, but I'm more than happy to pay that because you know, and you know, I'll be also debating you know if the person's full time whether I actually adhere to Australian um, uh, employment laws of holiday time and stuff like that, or American, because. For example, in Australia, you get four weeks off a year as a full-time employee. Hmm. You know, you know for, especially for food service jobs, I think there should be a lot of paid holiday time because apart from anything else, when there isn't, people are really tempted to come into work when they've got all sorts yeah. of bugs and stuff that they really shouldn't be coming into work in food service with. And that's yep. how colds and noroviruses and salmonellosis and stuff gets passed around so people should uh in in any sort of food service should have plenty of paid sick or holiday time well there was a um apparently some some pages from the mcdonald's employee handbook was was made it to the internet and you see similar things with walmart and some of these other major corporations and so often more often than not it seems these companies are recommending to their employees that they take advantage of public services that they they, they show them how to navigate the welfare system yeah. <laughs> how to take advantage of food stamps yeah. that's shameful and th- these companies are operating off of the well, public dollar. Exactly. That that is. It, it, they they always make the argument, uh, or their shills in the government make the argument that oh well they're employers they should get all these uh, tax breaks and subsidies. Yeah. And they, well then, uh, you're just giving welfare to the company instead of the employees. Actually, you're giving welfare to both. You're subsidizing the company by giving well welfare and benefits to the employees. That's it's crazy. It's no way to run a system. Tax breaks you want to be giving to small businesses to get started, you know, grants and things like that. You do exactly. not want to be giving tax breaks to companies that, you know, don't need tax breaks. You know, if you know, Walmart doesn't need a tax break, you know, the people that own Walmart need to take a pay, pay cut. Walmart needs a wrecking ball. It's just disgusting. There's a Walmart here. I've never been to it, but I've heard that it's quite bad. I've heard that it stocks sort of the dog ends of rubbish that they can't sell in any other store. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I heard. The the uh, I think one of the things to we we talk about uh, regular wage earning, what have you. Of course, now we have to we have to look at how we run our own businesses as self-employed artists, and that forces us to look at what we what are we actually paying ourselves per hour. In terms of you know, the work that we're doing for various publishers, yeah, yeah, you know, would, would we? I mean, I, I look at what I'm earning, and I'm pretty sure I would not look all that good on paper. Uh, you know, I I've, I love what I do. <laughs> That's fine, but I'm pretty sure I don't earn, <laughs> and I'm not earning a very good living wage. So yeah. I'm pretty sure I would probably fall into that category of a business that does not belong to, in business. It's, well, I mean. It, your, your. That's the thing is you're, you're investing yourself into your business. You're not investing someone else. Yes. 
business. You know, you're, you, you know, it's, it's your dream and you're living your dream and, you know, you're putting your hours into that dream, you know. Yeah, I mean, I never expect anybody else to live like I do. I mean, yeah. I, don't have, I, don't even, I don't have a car. I don't even know how to drive. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't go on holidays. I don't go out to the movies. I don't buy Starbucks coffee. If I want a coffee, I make it myself. And I mean, not everybody's willing to make that kind of sacrifice to yeah. work at the job that they want. And I wouldn't expect them to. People, people, you know, they like to have nice things. And it's probably living like I do it would not be worth it for most people. But yeah, I, I like it. I just, I don't really, I mean, it might have been nice if I learned to drive and had a car, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really go anywhere anyway, so I don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point I'm making is that we just have to be also as we have to treat our own businesses as 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 important as anyone we choose to work with. And I, oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I, it's a, it's an interesting thing. You know, I was. I find myself at that, trying to figure out where I, uh, where do I fit in the scheme of things, you know, career-wise and where I'm headed, and you know, this whole bu- the whole bunch of navel gazing that I won't bore people with. It's just one of those uh, things where I have to look at what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But um, we'll okay. help. talk about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Maybe we'll move on to the uh, critiquing here of our work. I I threw up a. Uh, a piece I had done for an online card game that's entitled The Other Side of Pain. And I selected it just because it represents, in its own small way, a direction I'm starting to follow with my my work in terms of style and color palette and things of that sort, the use of color. Why why don't you say what's different about it? Uh, What what is that direction? Well, here's the thing. I I used to use, and and, and where it's appropriate, I still use vibrant color. But I'm becoming a lot more mindful of how I use vibrant color, how I use saturated color. Um, there was a, I used to joke that when I first started using uh, working full color and I first got those opportunities, I'd say, man, I get to work in color now? I'm going to use all of them. <laughs> and my palettes, I felt, I'm looking at some, I look at some of my earliest stuff and I think my palettes were just all over the place. And there are certain types of color harmonies that I was, I was using, but just really aren't that all attractive. <laughs> and uh, I find myself working in more um, uh, more neutral versions of colors that I would have at one time used in a very saturated way. You know? So so now saturated color is being used for more focal point than for as a as the building block of the uh you know, as the gravy that keeps the, the meal together if you will. Yeah, I think I think uh, the colors are working here. But, you know, when I look at this, um, this is really a stupid critique, so don't take it to heart too much. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> when I look at this, I see a missed opportunity to use uh, some Man of Sorrows reference. Because, I mean, he's, he's bloody. He's being shot up with arrows. You can make him look like Saint Sebastian. Oh, here, here's the here's the thing: is that the, the theme of the card of this I mean, this image, is that mm-hmm. the character is, is driven mad, and becomes oh, almost okay. a monster of sorts. He doesn't change him physically per se, but he's he's clearly this, this mad creature. That's well, not you know, gonna. I do get I do get the Frankenstein's monster vibe from the shape of his head. 
and the tone of his skin is kind of greenish grayish. I, I mean, I was, I was originally going to criticize the face for looking a bit more cartoonish than anything else in the image, but if you're going for that monstrous vibe, mm -hmm. you're, you're uh, the other thing that I would criticize here is the hands. Sure. Okay. They don't. I mean, the rest of the body looks quite natural. I mean, you've, you've got. He's, you can see his veins sticking out. You can see a very realistically detailed nipple. But then you've got kind of Lego hands. Huh. I mean, they're kind of. I don't know how to. I, I'm having a brain moment where I'm having. It just kind of looks like the way his hands are his hands are gripped a bit too tight for him to actually have a pommel of the sword in it. Do you see what I mean? Um, it looks like he's grabbing the left hand. Yes, especially the left hand. His left hand, not the one on our left. Yeah, I think the the, the the was it. What's the first finger? Is that the index finger? Yes. I think yeah, if the index finger was shifted out a little more and the thumb was pulled back a little more. Yeah. Um, Okay, the so yeah, there are two the fingers feel fine, like down to the little finger and stuff like that. Um, I guess the two top ones. They're they're regimented. They they're all going exactly the same direction, and they're more or less the same length uh, on both hands. Really, uh, you know, obviously, there's uh, on the one on our right, the little finger is more little and but you know uh, even when you grab something like that you know that this would be a, a good one even though you know how to draw a hand doing a fist of course and mm -hmm. you know how to draw a hand holding something but it's it's really nice uh, especially when when they're uh, so much in the forefront of the picture like they are here to do a uh, reference, you know, look in the mirror, whatever, and find what what would your hand really grasp something like in that yeah. angle. And like when I'm doing it, I'm looking at myself right now. I'm finding, you know, the the fingers all are pointing yeah. inward toward the wrist on my hand. So the index finger is down a little bit towards the wrist, and the little fingers up a little bit towards the wrist. And yeah. then they're Right, they're much more straight than that. And also, like, yeah. the temptation is always to draw the fingers uh, bent at each joint, like the way they are uh, kind of 90-degree angles. But for the fingers to actually bend like that is pretty rare. I mean, normally when you're holding something, they, they sure, the middle joint is bent, but for the... For the uh, top joint to bend in like that at a 90 degree angle would be okay so I, I think the the what joins all these comments is clearly more reference when working with the for the yeah, hands patrick, patrick put it a lot better than i did sorry patrick. oh sure no no, no I, problem i actually that's <laughs> I, I, that's i, I a, just gotta say that um drawing hands that actually that are holding things is really or at least for me really really hard to do i have Exactly. It's a huge pain in the ass. I always take reference for that, like, you know, with a ruler sword or a remote sword, or if I went to draw a really big sword, I don't know, like a piece mm -hmm. sword. Well, that, that's something that I, I, now I've mentioned before. I keep a little mirror right here next to my, uh, uh, between my drawing table and my uh, 
computer so I can just grab it and put it in front of me and for faces and hands especially you know I'll just uh, every time even if I'm not using a reference photo uh, you know like something like this that's more you know of a, a cartoony uh, you know exaggerated vibe but even when I do something like that when I get to the hands and the faces I'll whip out the mirror and just do a quick check of how would that be and it gives it a little bit of veracity I find Okay. Mm-hmm. So far, I seem to be getting off. I'm getting off light. <laughs> so, okay. I, I, so for me, the the like the the part I really like about, and it's not anything gratuitous, maybe, you know. Um, but his chest is uh, really well rendered. Um, like I, I really love how, because um, uh, that's another kind of tough thing too, is the the uh, armpit and the mm-hmm. area that kind of joins there. Um, you know the, the musculature around there. You know that's it looks really nice. Cool, thank you. It's yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's really gone into detail with. I mean, you know, a lot of people when they're drawing veins, they just draw sort of the big. Who's that comic book artist with the veins, Greg Capullo? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's all like the crazy veins that look like they're on a, they belong on a penis in a porno movie. But I mean, you've also got the light tracery of veins across his. Pectoral muscles and ears, but um, but then like around the neck and the head, you sort of you, you sort of went from having a really nicely observed skin to having something a little more like what you think you see instead of what you really see. So I think uh, like the chest stands out, and the other parts of skin, like on the hands, neck, the face, could have used some more loving care like that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's just me. Sorry, go on. Uh, so um, uh, the, the, the main thing that kind of um, sort of stands out to me with the piece is um, uh, it, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's the, the, I have not, it's <laughs> terminology, the, the eye path and flow. Um, it's, it's something, you know, I've, I've tried to really shift focus on and, um, really kind of get, um, you know, pay extra attention to. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of things that I still do that I need to kind of catch myself at doing. Um, so, but, uh, so for me, his, his swords are, are directing the eye up and off okay. the image. Um, and I think, um... Uh, having the swords uh, and the arms lead to his face in some way. So if the weapons were more pointed inward towards his face or if they were pointed downward, creating more of an A-shape. Okay, um, so more, more yeah. um, spoke wheeling. Yeah, yeah, yes, you know. Um, I, do uh, think the, I do think the trajectory of the blood and also the arrows help with that. They create more of a circle. Yeah, but, but yeah, the, the swords are the most obvious part, so they should probably. Yeah, well, once you get once you get into the middle of it, you get there is this there is this, like a circular motion that you can kind of keep going around with the blood to the shoulder pad, the belt to the cut off shirt bit up the shoulder again to the face, and you get caught there. Um, it's just getting into that point. Um, uh, is the. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep getting 
Trump back to the chest and nipple. <laughs> Sorry. There's something nice. mesmerizing about that nipple. <laughs> it really is. I, I've been looking at the nipple too. But you know what else I like about this picture that I just kind of, I didn't notice at first, but I noticed it more I looked at it. I like the fact that there's like a sea of agonized faces around him. And you can see them sort of surfacing a little bit. Mm-hmm. It yeah, the, looks like he's sort of rising up out of a sea of suffering or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. sort of that's like the like shield formations behind him that are just you know, the, the fallen. Oh, that's what that is. Okay, I got it. Sorry, I'm stupid. No, no. Is it... You know, the more I look at this, you did this in uh, acrylics. Mm-hmm. I'm. I might be tempted to. Because uh, we were talking about focus and eye movement and things like that. I think I'd be tempted to uh, maybe take that hand on our left, the, the broken sword, that mm-hmm. whole, basically the whole arm, and maybe glaze glaze over it and get rid of some of the details and darken it like you did with the legs. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if that wouldn't uh, – it would do two things. It would sort of shift the detail focus back to the head and the chest, mm-hmm. and it would it would give you a sort of a, a secondary uh, silhouette thing that might look real interesting. In fact, now that I think of that, you could also uh, take a little bit of opaque uh, lighter paint and give him more lightness around his head. Hmm, a bit more flagging. Yeah. Somehow I think that that might make for a, a little more dynamic uh, m- motion through the picture. Yeah, I mean, moving up your shadows can really help with that. Yeah. Of, instead of rendering in each little patch of shadow as its own entity, uh, going through when you do your valley study and figuring out where the big groups of shadows are and combining them into one big shadow, it can really consolidate your shapes and give you a sense of, give you more of an arresting first impression. It's probably more, it's certainly, I imagine it would more, um, give more spotlighting. Yeah. Yeah, it might just give it some overall extra dynamic feel to it. Because it, it, uh, I like how the legs are getting darker and melding into the bottom part. And But then uh, once we get past the waist, he's really pretty much, you know, just one homogenous field of, of gray. So, yeah, I, I, I would be tempted to try that. Since, since it's uh, acrylics, it might not be so difficult to glaze over the arm. And, and In fact, uh, hooray for Photoshop. That's one of those great things you can just play with in Photoshop and see if it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you can do it with acrylic later. Exactly. I don't know. I, I'd still be tempted to put a halo around his head and a few more arrows. <laughs> but... Um, Oh, I don't know. Do saints get halos or just angels? I'm not that familiar with Christian myths except for, you know, the odd stuff that I've picked up here and there. So I'm not sure if saints even get a halo. But I would, I would totally put one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very cool, wow, guys. That's... I appreciate it. I can see um, doing more photo reference, which is something I've, I've, I always have trouble with just because it's just me and a little guy. 
in our studio. So it's sort of like, how do I do this? <laughs> I have the oh, hardest time getting a reference. My wife is terrible at taking photographs. It's a, you, I mean, you think I'm exaggerating, but she just she looks at a sketch I do. And she cannot reproduce anything on <laughs> that's in the sketch. There's no hand-eye coordination going on at all. Oh, you should see some of the stupid, stupid ass things I've done to get to get photo reference. I've hung cameras from light. The dog doesn't approve. <laughs> uh, I've hung cameras from light fixtures. I've had a camera precariously balanced on top of the fridge, which actually fell down and I miraculously caught it before it smashed my face. Oh, um, man. Because I was trying to get a picture from above. Um, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've done all kinds of stupid-ass things to get the reference pictures, and I know what a pain, pain in the bottom it is. But, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of the time it's really worth it to... Uh, to go through the extra pain in the ass to get just the reference that you want. Sure. Like even, like even if I'm drawing stuff and I have to, and I don't, I decide just to use the actual object for reference instead of taking a photo, and I have to sit on the floor in an uncomfortable position, I find that, you know, it's worth having bruised knees to get something that looks a little bit more believable than just to guess what it looked like from that angle. Hmm. Oh, all good points, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice uh, seeing uh, your experiments off in a new direction. No, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. So, who's on the chopping block next? Um, who sent their picture next? Huh? Oh, I said who sent their picture next. You do it like in the order of the Oh, I think that would be you. In yeah. That case. I do um, believe that was Sokar. Okay. Um, did you guys all get mine? Here we go. So, so this picture has kind of a lame story behind it. Um, it's a replacement for another picture that I was drawing for like 50 hours and then I smeared ink all over it. And I actually recycled part of it. <laughs> um, I mean, not, I mean, pardon? I don't think I got yours, so far. Oh, um, uh, it's a it's a link. Oh, I was like, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did the yeah. same thing. I was looking for the uh, the little attachment icon. Yeah, this one's called yeah, Headbatross. Yeah, Headbatross. Yeah, well, the title is actually Mister Nobody, but the but the name of the JPEG is indeed Headbatross. And oh, okay. I was originally calling it the dead Batross because it was a dead albatross that was in the picture that I ruined. And I was really mad at my dead albatross getting ruined, so I just transported it and copied it into <laughs> the picture. I mean, I didn't like, literally snip it out of the other picture. I just drew it again from the same sketch, but um, it is the same dead albatross, and I, I just reused it in a slightly a very slightly different context mm -hmm. but apart from that it was a new idea okay let's see um looking I at can't, yeah go i ahead. cannot critique this it's it's just too damn good well done sokar uh, <laughs> that's very funny patrick i can see like a bunch of stuff wrong with it but that's probably because i stared at it for like 45 hours <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. I mean, uh, it's, it seems to be a nice uh, balance of more naturalistically rendered items and a, a graphic style 
and I, the graphic style coming through some of the flatness of certain forms. Yeah, I love that part of it. I love the fact that it's so graphic designy. In fact, I oh, I could sort of backwards critique this. You, you do great when you when you do add graphic design elements, but you often don't. And and I think your pictures are are usually all the better for for uh, the more graphic design elements you put into them, the better. And that. Yeah, that's been something I've been bringing in more lately. Mm-hmm. I've, been bring, I've been working on bringing in a more contrast and b being brave enough not to to leave some stuff just black and white. Um, like I've trust myself not to have to explain every little thing. I mean, sure. you know, it's the same thing. Like if you're writing, amateur writers can be they can they can get way too much into irrelevant details because they um, they, 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 they don't really filter between what's important and what's not. So we, we I've been trying to um, decide, make more conscious decisions on what I want to, where I want the detail to be and where I don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad people are noticing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at some of the um, – I really like this piece, and I think it's really interesting for the reason I stated earlier. I think some of the things that I might look at would be – you know how you've got that light, uh, faint texture taking place on the branches behind the uh, the person in the um, wheelchair? And I'm wondering if that might have been carried behind the albatross as well. Because right now you're relying upon that really hard line of the oh, yeah. uh, on the wing. Um, so that, that texture doesn't carry up behind the uh, the albatross, and I wonder if you have to rely very heavily on that hard line to separate them. Yeah, that was uh, that, that's a very good point, and uh, I probably should have kept the conch just just being non lazy and drawing that texture all over the whole tree thing in the background, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what I can say except I could, but I didn't. Oh no! I mean, I, I mean, it's it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. I'm just um, it just just something that occurred to me. No, no, it's a really valid observation. The I notice that you have there's a there's a sort of a there's a there's occasional there's a there's a war between these very referenced and um, rather classical approach to hands, for instance. And torso, and then we see maybe a very rounded toes of the feet, where um, where the um, it gets more cartoonish down there versus say the hands, which are more naturalistic. Yeah, I, I am. I kind of I wanted the um, person to look sort of mm, like a shell, you know, sort of. Mostly just an outline with a few explaining details, so that it would read as a human being. Sure. But like I might, I might have gone a little, put a little too much rendering into the torso if it's not matching with the hands and feet. Yeah. Huh. I, I think they look fine. Yeah. You, you know, I love, uh, I, I love it when people can uh, stylize. Uh, 
you know, pieces of anatomy and sort of make it their own. That, that, that is a nifty thing. But yeah, I, I see what you mean, Jeremy. They're, they're stylized kind of differently. Yeah, that's, um, it's not again. It's not a deal breaker. You can see we're kind of nitpicking <laughs> to like, get where like things Richard, are. But like Richard Cor- Corbin, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he used to do underground comics, and so now he does a little bit of everything. He's so incredible. Uh, but his hands and feet, you know, if you were to sit down and critique them, you know, just on the level of. Uh, you know, how, how much do they really look like hands and feet? Well, they don't. They don't at all. But since he does it exactly the same every time, you know, he's, it's, you can tell it's a style and he's doing it on purpose. Oh, and it's very effective a, because yeah, of that. There's a context in which it's not, it's not shattering the, uh, the believability. Right, yeah, I mean, exactly. The whole, thing, yeah. the well, whole the, thing here was supposed to be stylized. It, it and, was, it, and it works great. I think yeah. you, did a, you did a fine job, and screw you for sending this for a critique. Yeah. My, <laughs> we are. If I were to continue that, that line of thought, though, upwards to the, the albatross's head, has a similarly cartoonish um, yeah. treatment versus some of the more naturalistic classical rendering of other forms. So I've said these are just, like I say, these are just things where... Um, elements of style kind of shift across the piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you use a do you use a template at all for uh, straight lines, or do you do you do those all hand? Um, no, what I do is um, in this case actually this picture. Some of the little inconsistencies might be due to something I didn't explain because I wanted to see. If like if you guys would notice the problems, which you did. Um, I, I wanted to see if uh, some of the risks I took would be noticed and some of the problems would be noticed. Because if they're noticeable to me, I, I don't know if they're noticeable to everyone. But um, <laughs> like what happened with this picture was I, I didn't draw any of the background at all. I just drew the person in the wheelchair. And I, and I drew nothing in pencil for the background, the rest of the background. Oh, I mean, I drew the albatross also, but I consider the albatross part of the person. <laughs> but then I just added the rest of the background for an inking, and normally I wouldn't take a huge risk like that, but I was in a huge rush to get this one finished, so I jumped over a few steps and stuff. And um, unfortunately, one of the steps I jumped over was the ruler. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, yeah. If you're calling attention to the fact that the lines are a little bit wobbly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That, that doesn't bother me one little bit. Yeah. No, I, I was, I was actually just, uh, just curious. Yeah. Because they, they are fitting in, you know, overall, and uh, I just didn't know if you'd, uh, you'd used a template or you just had amazing control with your, with your hand. No, what I, what I did was. Um, I, I scanned in the um, I scanned in the picture of the person in the wheelchair, the albatross, and I photoshopped the albatross onto the person's head. <laughs> I printed that out onto a piece of paper, and uh, but when I printed it out, I printed out also uh, rectangles made in Photoshop. Yes. So, so there was, it, it's not like I just drew those straight lines completely freehand out of my brain. Right. Was, oh, that's a great way to do it. I, there were some like very light gray lines there. And then I just, I used my pen and went over them, obviously, because now they're black. <laughs> right. um, 
But yeah, I, I didn't use a ruler. I probably should have. And uh, that was one of the things that I did wrong here. I, I, no, I, I kind of disagree. I think if you had made them too sharp, yeah, it, maybe wouldn't, it. it wouldn't fit in with the real hand-drawn look yeah. of the rest of it. I, you, I think you did just, just right. I mean, you do have a lot of control, obviously, and I think it, it fits in well. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I obviously didn't use a ruler or a compass or anything for the wheelchair either. Yeah. No, they, the only single place if I were going to say, well, here, here you could have done it a little better is probably the small wheel on our left. Oh, yeah, it's kind of a crappy wheel. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's the only one, though. I, I think everything else really fits stylistically. Uh, you know, I had so much trouble drawing that thing because I got it out and I was drawing it. And I suddenly realized I had no idea what all these little parts do, <laughs> how, they, how they connect together, or how the hell the whole contraption is supposed to work. I didn't realize how complicated it was till I was sitting there looking at it and trying to draw it. And I'm like, I had no idea. I had so many puttery little parts. And, you know, I, I, I could have just... I, I kind of guessed at some parts that I couldn't really figure out what they did. So it's probably put together wrong. <laughs> and then I drew weeds over parts of it, too. You know what? It looks believable. And <laughs> that's, that's all that matters. In a world where a guy has an albatross on top of his head, I don't think it needs to be the, yeah, the yeah. exact working uh, wheelchair. There's a certain amount of willing suspension of disbelief at work here. <laughs> yeah, I think as soon as you put the dead albatross where the head should be, then the the um, strict adherence to reality is sort of exactly. thrown out the window. <laughs> and so all you have to really have is uh, verisimilitude, as they say. So, you know, it's believable. It, it's close enough that our, our suspension of disbelief is completely going to kick in. So I, I think I think you did great. Yeah, my, if I had any other if I had any other thoughts to offer, it would be um, that that rich texture you've got in the branches could also be used elsewhere to help really differentiate the, uh, the the figures from, you know, texturally differentiate the figures from the branches because they're very open spaces. It's a, yeah. the, the figures are quite open and then the branches are quite open and I'm, I'm tempted to carry some of that texture that you have in the background to those foreground snaking uh, uh, roots on the ground, for instance. Yeah, I, I should have continued that texture. I, I, I have to admit that I became lazy and I I had intended to it I just didn't well, so, yeah. <laughs> I have no excuse for that except I kind of ran out of time <laughs> <laughs> that happens to the best of us and yeah and, and me <laughs> I was I mean I was sitting there at the table and I was I, I mean I'd drawn everything in pretty much the whole border and everything and I was drawing you know, that very faint texture into the background there to differentiate the figure from the branches. And then I was feeling kind of woozy because I hadn't eaten yet and I had to get it out for the show with FedEx, you know. And I was like, okay, that'll do. <laughs> I, okay. know that sounds, I know that doesn't make me sound very good, but sometimes there comes a point where you're just finished. 
Uh, fair enough. I, and, I, and I, you know, I've also, been there. And I was also kind of afraid of overdoing it. And I know it sounds like I'm making an excuse there and saying that, you know, I made, yeah, it's supposed to look this way. And no, it really isn't. But I, I was also afraid that it might look too footery if I continued the texture too much. So it was probably not the right decision, but it was a decision. <laughs> It was your decision. No, I, I looks great. Okay. I, I can't. I mean, I mean, it's 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 just stunning to me. Um, yes. So the, the only thing I can I can like you know nitpick at would be um, the uh, the material that's draped across his lap. Um, um, I guess either. I guess I kind of want to see more folds or something to kind of differentiate it from um, his body a little more. Some drapery. Um, yeah, because yeah. it kind of becomes like his, mm. his, the leg on our left becomes kind of almost a, a single mass of um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, it's just, you know, the, all the detail in the, in the foliage and the, I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was, with the, with the uh, fabric, I was kind of trying to strike a balance because I I didn't want to put too much detail, and I think I on 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 anything that was the guy, and then I think I sort of erred in the wrong direction in that I didn't quite draw enough folds to explain exactly where the, the rear leg is falling. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I'd had longer to look at it, probably I'd have done something about that, but I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just mesmerizing. What's nice about painting is that we get to merely suggest all that detail. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're drawing, you could merely suggest all the detail. I just, <laughs> I just like doing it. I mean, I, I kind of like using detail as um, a means of establishing areas of value like I, I, I put in all the all the areas of vegetation are really just supposed to be kind of areas of dark gray and the field of stars is mostly standing for black so it's kind of uh, is how I establish value is with different textures so I like doing that but I can also see how, you know, it's good to just suggest it in some places. And uh, as you can see, there were some parts in this drawing where I had a hard time drawing the line between where to just suggest it and where to draw it. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that, so. <laughs> well, I think, I think we've managed to destroy this piece. Let's move on to the next one. All right. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get someone else. Let's get somebody <laughs> yeah, else. I, I, I tell you, you guys are a lot kinder to mine than I thought you were going to be. Because, I don't know, I always, see, I always see more problems when I've just finished a picture. And I've just recently finished that one. Okay. Well, nicely done. Indeed. Okay, let's do Patrick's now. He was next. Uh, sure. Okay. Well, this is uh, my... Uh, latest project on Kickstarter. I'm, I'm doing a, a comic 
book that's uh, based on a series of uh, young adult novels called The Nain Rouge, and it's uh, about the life of uh, a couple of teenagers who are uh, uh, bedeviled by uh, an ancient creature in the Detroit area. Uh, and it's a new thing for me to try a, a, this style. I mean, obviously, it's not like anything I've done before. So I, I wanted to do a, a sort of a traditional comic style uh, aimed at younger kids, kind of simple and not a lot of shading, uh, thicker lines, that sort of thing. Plus, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, to pay for itself, you know, I really have to do a page and a half or more a day from pencil to ink to final. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's got to be kind of quick, straightforward, tell a good story, and yeah, hopefully look okay. okay. It's kind of interesting that we're looking at this one back to back with mine because it's like two completely different ways of doing black and white. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It <laughs> is quite a contrast. <laughs> I, I, I actually. I actually like this kind of really clean rendering, and I'd probably do it if my hands are not so unsteady. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. I would I would guess though by looking at this page that this is aimed more at teenagers than young children. Yes, yes, definitely. It's okay. uh, we're okay. aiming. Yeah, young adult markets, uh, probably the younger end of the young adult market, but I'd say about fifth grade through. Eighth grade, ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So like eleven and under. Well, if or, I were to, oh, yeah, eleven to fifteen. I don't know, ten to fifteen age. Anyway, something that's hopefully friendly to that group, but also good for all ages, so anybody could read it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at um, in terms of uh, because I, I'm looking at this from the um, angle of um, of comic storytelling. And so far, I, I think the page design has good flow. You have, you're using eyeline to carry us from one panel to the next, using primary lines that kind of carry us from one, you know, across the page and down. Mm-hmm. So I think that's being well, I think that's being well handled. Okay. Um, the, if stylistically, if I were to have any thoughts on it, would be, I'm glad you're leaving some lines broken, um, especially with some of the uh, the harder edged lines that you're using for the uh, the background, the perspective shots, because mm-hmm. leaving those edges broken kind of gives a more organic feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, in some things, I think I would rely, I would probably put a bit more weight on things like the chairs in the final panel, for as an example. Mm-hmm. I would probably use more uh, thicker line weight on the chairs mm-hmm. and table. Um, just to to give it a sense that it is closer to us. This is than, stuff in the foreground, yeah. yeah. Versus yeah. stuff in the background, yeah. because you're using some pretty heavy line weight on the figures, but it doesn't find doesn't seem to find its way strictly into the uh, the furniture and the other elements that are closer to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, yeah, I, I understand that some of the stuff you have to do this stuff very quickly. No, no, but that's a good, you know, that's an easy thing to, to the, incorporate as I go through. Yeah, the, the other things that I might consider would be, um, you know, one of the things that I love about some of the artists that we see in the, uh, in the 70s and 80s and the, and the way they handled um, inking um, urban environments and, and places with a lot of hard edges and strong perspective, you know, 1.2 point, the whole nine yards, is that they handled a lot of that with their um, freehand. So that freehand um, line had a certain character to it. 
that right. I always loved. You look at you see it in the work of guys like Joe Kubert, and you know you do a street, a, seat, a street scene. You can tell he inked it by hand by, and brush. In that, even though it's a lot of uh, perspective going through a neighborhood, it the line work had that character. Right. That yeah, I'd I'd uh, I'd kind of toyed with doing something like that uh, in earlier pages, and I was just finding that was taking too long. Sure. Uh, I'm just uh, <laughs> not yeah. quick enough yet with my freehand straight lines, so I ended up since I'm I'm inking it in Photoshop, yeah, I ended up yeah. just using the line tool. But that's a really good, really good point. Yeah. I have to ask you a question about this because it's like an impression I got really strongly. Are the characters supposed to look like they're much, much more real and alive than their surroundings? Like maybe they're special in some way or from another world or have magic powers, I don't know. No, not really. They're just uh, in their surroundings. Uh, I I was really grooving on that. I was like, okay, here's here's these really interesting looking people in an Ikea world. I think that's probably just the way I do backgrounds. (laughs) (laughs) I really really liked it. I I, I didn't (laughs) I mean, not that there's anything wrong with IKEA or the way you draw backgrounds or the backgrounds themselves. I I just thought I really liked the contrast of the kind of very active lines on the figures, the very naturalistic poses and uh, you know bodies and, and facial faces. <laughs> and then the and then the backgrounds are uh, are not. I, I think that that is basically just a function of me trying to find a a style that'll fit and not take too terribly long to draw. Oh yeah. The way the way I'm doing it is I'm just uh, setting up a perspective grid over my rough sketches, and uh, then as soon as the grid looks right, I just start. Uh, you know, tracing over it with the line tool, essentially. You know, uh, you know what it reminded me of? Did you guys see that movie where everyone's in black and white and then they go back in time into a 1950s TV show or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, what the hell was it called? Um, that had the Spider-Man guy in it. Um, um, Pleasantville. Pleasantville, uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, 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 the guy comes home and, and he really confused because his wife didn't make him dinner. <laughs> well, the thing that's kind of grabbing me is that it, the the thing about what I, my earlier observation is that they have these really organic uh, forms of the characters, and then you have this rather complex scene in the third in the final panel, and it reads almost vaguely like a Google. Um, what's the name of that program that does three uh, D? Oh, SketchUp. SketchUp. It has the feel of a SketchUp. Frankly, if I could have, if I if I had the command of SketchUp to do something like this and SketchUp quickly, I would have done it <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. instead of drawing it by hand. So well, then, uh, actually, that might have even if you did it in SketchUp, maybe that would have given you the um, that might have saved you the time wherein you could um, just trace you know trace yeah. the lines by hand and have that organic feel. Yeah, that's quite possible. Throughout, so. and that just gives you that allows you to keep that style, everything, just to keep everything really um, stylistically coherent. Yeah, and I like I use SketchUp sometimes, but I don't really have the uh, I don't have the command of it yet to be able to put a scene that complex together in a timely manner. I'm sure a lot of people can. Yeah, I mean, I see people using it on DeviantArt, and they're like, 
oh, this is based on a scene I just threw together in 10 minutes in SketchUp. And then I download SketchUp and I try it out and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> in 10 minutes, I can't make anything. I'd be, I would faster just draw myself. <laughs> I think in a lot of those cases, they're, they're getting models from, you know, SketchUp has a big library online and they're probably getting models and putting them together, which, oh. which is something you can do. That never occurred to me. You see, I, I, I'm stupid that way. No, you're not. I, well, anyway. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, I, see, I think you're keeping your characters on model, which is good. And that's one of the harder things to do. Yeah, is... boy, is that hard. It's, it's, <laughs> it's harder to do. I, usually my comics, I've done sort of a painted style. And it's a lot easier to keep things on model when you're painting because you can just go in and, you know, paint over them yeah. and get it to look yeah. right but when when you're drawing and all you have is a few lines it's uh it's a very challenging thing so i'm glad you think it's working yeah it does make you wonder how tough did it how else tough does it yeah this stuff is just yeah. <laughs> and and if i was going to say any anybody is sort of my uh it's interesting you said that because if anybody's my uh, inspiration for doing this style, it would be Alex Toth. Oh yeah, I, the last comic story I did was looking quite a bit at guys like Toth, and I found that I ended up redrawing the first page like three times, and restarting. <laughs> I, was, I was so um, trying to come across, come upon a style that was economical to do, and that would fit the tone of the story. Mm-hmm. And the approach I was envisioning for the story, I mean, I ended up doing that first page about three times before mm-hmm. I moved on. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking like pencils, inks, <laughs> and some gray render before I realized, you know what? I don't like it. Start over. <laughs> you know, using the same page layout, I did the thing three times. Wow. You know, dedication. You know, but uh, no, I appreciate what you're doing here. I'm thinking, you know, if I had any, uh, any other critique, I might say that the young man's hairline is way over high. Yeah. yeah, he's got some mural forehead coming in. Yeah, I started that's the thing I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, started in a, with in a medium like this. That's a perfectly legitimate stylization. You know, you can be public cartoonish here. Yeah, the, he's. Yeah, I'm having trouble keeping things cartoony, and he's one of the few things that's easy not to make too photorealistic. For instance. <laughs> That picture of her taking off her jacket, I, I think, is about 25% too realistic. But, again, I didn't really have time to go back and redo it. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to stay away. That that would be like the outer edge of realism I'm going for. And hopefully I'm keeping things cartoony enough that they, they sort of fit in. I would, I would almost say don't be so self-conscious of style because it's going to keep, it's just gonna keep um, evolving into something that, you know, you that's going to be very uniquely you. And I don't think you have to edit yourself too drastically on how you're doing things. I mean, certainly certain panels are going to have more, you know, um, uh, more detail and time put in than other panels. And you just kind of have to make them your uh, focal panels, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's very clear that the person really enjoyed this panel, even though, it's, even though the reader is supposed to just be over it within a second, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's one of the things that kind of, uh, uh, irked some readers of early image stuff because it was just splash page heaven. You know, there might be like a thimble full of story on that page, but man, it's such a pretty page. You know, that you sort know, of thing. I heard somebody just recently uh, on a podcast, and I do not for the life remember who, who it was, a comic book uh, artist, and he made a 
really good observation. Uh, he said uh, he tries to keep his line work simple for the most part because he feels that the more lines he puts in a panel, the longer it takes to look at the panel. And so if you want the story to flow more, you use less lines. Yeah. And if you to slow down, you can use more lines. And I, I'd never really heard it said like that before. He, there was, I forget I the know, artist. It might have been Wheatley who said this, but I think it was, uh, he puts as many hours into the panel as he wants the reader to spend seconds while reading. <laughs> so he figures if he's got a panel that took four hours to do, he wants the reader to take four seconds. I don't know. I mean, when I, when I used to read comics when I was a lot younger, I, I always liked the ones that had really good art and, and you know I wouldn't read them like I'd read a book. I'd take ages on each page, not really worrying so much about the story and mostly enjoying the art. So I can I can forgive I can really forgive uh pretty comics that <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the, and the reason I brought that up was that that panel, for instance, with her taking off her jacket, I wanted to linger on for a moment. So I drew a bunch of lines. I was trying that theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but I, I haven't done any sequential art at all lately, but when I used to, one thing I tended to do was uh, I draw like three or four very small panels at the top that moved along the story, and then the whole bottom part of the page would be one giant panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Or I'd, or I'd do, like, a lot of inset panels so that it, the entire page would have a main picture in the in it, and then there would be a whole lot of insets telling the story. And i do a lot of non-standard layouts, and I thought that it helped with flow, but I don't know if it actually did. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm going to I'm going to totally nitpick you now. You okay. you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Totally going to nitpick you now. And the same stuff happens to me all the time, so I'm going to nitpick you. Um, umbrella handle, panel one, two, three, panel four. Umbrella handle, <laughs> yes, touching umbrella. panel border. Oh. Uh, Oh. Naughty, very naughty. Oh. Door that's handle a, of the of the last panel. That's a tangent, yeah. Right, okay, right. The, the, the Door wall, handle. The, right now, that wall is like practically up against the back of the guy's chair. Yeah. I'm totally. I'm. Tr- I'm, I'm calling. I'm, oh, you're right. That door handle should have been higher. I'm totally. Oh, I'm totally picking on you, but you know. Oh my God, you are so. Yeah, you right. can't see that. Well, why were, why were picking <laughs> on Those chairs look like they're paper thin. Oh, they are. Yeah, they, they're they're about yeah they're they're about a quarter inch thin plastic. Oh wow, that's crazy. It's, it's you know that's you know you go to your go to a cafe you're gonna find really thin you know plywood chairs. Oh, okay. You know, I, I wasn't really thinking that there were chairs like that in the world. Maybe oh. some curvature to those chairs. Maybe some curvature. Yeah. A little curvature would be good. You know, harder to maybe. harder to draw. Maybe. <laughs> the umbrella, the angle at which it the um. The angle at which the sides of it are intersecting, it looks like it would be about six inches long. <laughs> How about if I'm, no, I'm just like I said, I'm just no, all just about the nitpick right now. So, <laughs> the uh, what's with that clock in panel two? Uh, I I was just feeling whimsical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I will forgive you. <laughs> I, I, I drew a I drew a round clock and I said, "Oh, that's boring." Yeah. And I skewed it. I actually like that. <laughs> I don't mind that it. Was, that clock was also part of why I was feeling like the world was 
sort of unreal. Other people were more real in the world around them as well. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, in doing things like, uh, you know, I, I made the perspective just a little on the extreme side in the bottom panel. And whenever I'm doing environments, you can't really see it in this one too much, but I'm trying to do three-point perspective everywhere and just kind of give it a, a sense of really looking into a, mm. a cartoon world. Um, well, you know, is, is this going to be a color book, grayscale? Yes. Yeah, it's yes. going to be color book. It's going to be color. I can see how Sim- you can use colors. shadow shapes to really break up some of the strong verticals of panel two, as an example. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a if there was a diagonal shadow being cast, for instance, going on the scene or something that would break up that. Like um, some rude words all over those lockers. I mean, oh yeah, on. there you go. There are no, there are no high school lockers that are that graffiti free. Sorry, dude. That's a, that's a good idea. I could do that in, in the coloring phase. Little little textural lived in things. I like that idea. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, thanks guys. As Sokar uh, said on hers, I'm surprised I didn't get too raked over the coals. Any thoughts, Karen? Um, I mean, that was the, 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 the two main things for me were um, it's, it's the top panel, um, his forehead, um, mm-hmm. and then yeah. her, her face, I think, I don't know if it's the eye on the right. It's a little higher. Yeah, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a little too high. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, so those, I mean, that's, that was the, the two things that I could see out. I, I can fix that, yeah. I might be tempted good. with the old guy in the final panel to lengthen his upper arm and bring that shoulder more into uh, alignment, because right now it looks like it's kind of erupting from his collar. No, yeah, it's a little too long. I, was... I think he's just slumped forward. So it's... Yeah, yeah, I was trying to give him that. A hunched look. Exact, exactly. Yeah. So I, got sure. it. I was trying to hunch him really far. It might have gone a little too far, but I wanted to. Well, that's like really a 30-second him... fix. There's nothing, yeah. you know, there's yeah. nothing. It's not a deal breaker. I mean. No, no. I, I think, you know, maybe all I have to do is take off that uh, that uh, arc that arced line that's sort of defining where the uh, end of the sleeve is. I'll bet if I just erased that line, it would yeah. make it a lot more uh, mm-hmm. uh, undefined where his shoulder is and, and kind of help that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, make, make it a bit more clear that he's sort of that his shoulder rolled forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think you were just drawing the seam of his shirt there, but yep. it, it kind of reads as a defining contour line instead. Exactly. I agree. Very good. Yeah, but I'm digging on it. I like what's going on. So, I mean, that's just my, my I gave my two pence. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. We're giving it the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should be done with this book in about another six weeks or so. And uh, then I'll, I'll be letting everyone know on Facebook uh, when it'll be printed and out and buy it for your kids. I'm Sweet. Not sure if you are. <laughs> now, it's, now it's Karen. Uh-oh. It's all about yeah, Karen I'm now. I'm trying Karen. You know, oh, I like this one. I do like yeah. this piece. I enjoy the palette and the and the lines are striking. It's another one that's just too damn good, Karen. I my if if we're looking at anything, if we're looking at things, and I'm just gonna, I'm just like basically, I'm just struggling to find things. So just bear with me. If we're going after anything, I might say um, I'm eyeline 
If you look mm -hmm. at the archer, who is he looking at? It's not looking at the immediate threat of that uh, goblin that's about to chop his knee off. <laughs> yeah, he, he should. Yeah, he really should be. In, in, in my mind, he's looking at the character off page. Yeah. Uh, because there's a, there's a horde, there's more characters that are kind of running in. But it really does. Um, yeah, it, he should have been looking. I guess. So one of the things that kind of ended up, well, I guess he could be looking at someone and then pointing the, the arrow at something else. So that was the, the thing I did. I just did him directing his sight towards the, you know, oh, where sure. the arrow was headed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then in an abstract sense, the arrow kind of points towards the other goblin, which then leads into the hairline um, of the goblin below. And that really, leads around to the shield, which goes up along her sword and kind of goes around that way. Um, uh, but yeah, that, yeah, doing where they're looking at each other and, and stuff like that. That's, that was, you know, that was kind of what I was talking about with the other thing was, you know, tr trying to really pay attention to um, eye path and um, flow and stuff like that. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, where the characters <laughs> Like, you know, well, I mean, of, now that oh. you explain that, I think that makes yeah you know, your explanation makes good sense. It's just a it's just one of those little finagling things, and it's something I have to be mindful of when I do <laughs> whenever yeah. I do multiple. Well, I mean, th that's the thing is you know it, it it's 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 one thing you know when you kind of have that in your head, but this is being sold to someone that you know is seeing it for the first time. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, those things you really need to kind of pay attention. And it's just starting a balance between a. Composition and uh, narrative. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the one thing that disturbs me just a little bit, even though it is realistic, is um, the guy in the foreground, the, the blonde-haired Viking-looking dude. Uh, What's well, a woman? Uh, oh, it's a woman. Okay. Um, <laughs> the blonde-haired yeah, Viking. Lady. Okay, yep. the blonde-haired Viking lady. Um, you see how her jowl is kind of pinched by the gorget of her armor there and her flesh of her face is sort of wrinkled as a result mm. that's very realistic but also very disturbing oh yeah um yeah it um that's actually um yeah i should have probably blended that out uh that was actually a vein that was running along her neck oh um, that's that was, about... she was part when she was posed she was straining um, so that's what, actually what you're reading there. Um, but yeah, it does. It looks, it kind of looks like, yeah, the skin's being pinched or like a double chin cheek thing. Yeah, it looks like your skin's kind of being pushed up by the collar there. Yeah. So that's what I was reading it as. But uh, I mean, it's, it's perfectly realistic to think that if she had loose skin there, it would be pushed up. So it's not like you, it reads as long, it just reads as kind of ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I really like yeah. the worst thing was uh, when Anne uh, when Anne would put the armor on her hair gets caught if it's not tied up it gets caught in the uh, plate ah. and trying to like pull her hair back it's all stuck in there and it's like breaking as you're pulling it oh, it's yeah cringing um, I, really, I really like the way that you've arranged the detail so that you know, you've, you've got uh, some very loose gestural yeah. parts. Uh, everything leads into the, maybe like 
two square inches are really, really highly rendered, and everything else around it is sort of in varying degrees of rendering, and it all kind of comes together in this one small area with the main two characters. I really like that. I think it's... Yeah. That really does work. I was going to mention the same thing, for instance. I'm just loving that uh, the guy in the very foreground who's running into the picture. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, first of all, his his pose is great. But, yeah, the way you've you've rendered his uh, the bottom of his foot and then his other leg and, and foot and just, you know, you got to cross everything you need to get across with just a few little shapes and, and lines. And it's uh, very, very well, well, that, yeah. well done. And I think that detail level also lends motion. Yeah, it gives camel blur. Yeah, that, well, that's, that was um, the, the other pieces I did in this series. Um, I really tried to kind of push... Um, you know, lost edges, the passage kind of effect. Um, and, you know, going back to these now, I can actually see where I could have done it a lot more. Um, but that was, one was because um, these were all interior pieces, uh, so I needed to, you know, I wanted to spend a lot of time on them, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time on them. Sure, um, sure. Um, so that was, you know, kind of a, an economy kind of choice. Uh, that, and I was just trying to, you know, you know, do the do the focus of of um, you know more looser painting in areas that I didn't want people to kind of spend too much time looking, and you know forcing the eye into the into the center of the piece and uh, to the female knight. Um, well, definitely working. Cool. Yeah, at least actually uh, Je- uh, uh, an old piece by Jeff Sleep. I believe it was um, there's a mage. Um, with green, like a green spell he's casting, and the, the mage is holding it above his hand, uh, holding his hand above his head, and um, there's a group of skeletons um, sort of clamoring towards him. I th- it was it was a computer game cover. Um, that sounds I think really used, familiar. Yeah, I think they used... Actually, you know what? I'll try and look for it. But his, his, his work has always been in the back of my mind. Um, uh... Oh, now that I look at it, I guess it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how you can do that, too? You're really inspired by some piece, and then you go back and look and say, wow, that, my piece didn't look anything like that. Uh, actually, no, I mean, you can kind of, I think you'll be able to kind of pick up the the things. Uh, hold on, I'll, I guess I'll we'll reply to everyone. Uh, oh, speaking of replying, uh, since uh, Drew wasn't here, I did a, uh, a paint over on yours, Jeremy. Yeah, I saw that. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, hopefully does all the things we talked about. I think it's really nice as well that Kieran did not draw a boob plate on the, uh, the knight's armor. <laughs> Actually, now that you you had uh, um, thought the character was male, I was I was starting to think maybe I should have. Um, oh, no, no, no. No, everyone. I thought the I think it carried the femininity in the face. There's nothing wrong with a with a woman looking, being mistaken for man in the heat of battle. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, people in armor all look the same. <laughs> Because the armor, you know, the armor takes away the shape of 
your body and uh, you, you know but that's the way it's supposed to be the armor is supposed to protect the body not like, yeah, exactly. yeah. not to highlight it so you know the fact that also I'm looking at it on my iPad so it's really small so I was just seeing like a, a person and I guess I just sexistly assumed that it was a man <laughs> you know well actually so that was uh, one of the things uh, wizards want was they wanted characters to kind of be, you know, more against the norm. Um, so, uh, which, you know, I, I, I didn't do so much with the, the male dwarf. I mean, he's kind of a classic um, kind of character. Um, but I wanted the, the main fighter character to be female, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, to go against the kind of, um, and, you know, to be well armored. <laughs> Oh, oh no, sure. no, she, no, she is. She, she is very well armored. I think you, I think you know, you've done a, you've done an armor design, which, granted, I know very little about what constitutes effective armor, but to me, it looks like it's both effective and decorative. Yeah, I, I mean, that's actually, I'm, I'm I believe I modified the design a little bit, but that's actually Anne's armor. Uh, she's part of the Seattle oh, my. in Seattle, oh. hmm. and it's actually she can do like a leap kick and stuff, and uh, it's actually. Armor, I guess, properly made armor is a lot lighter than the, the, the cheap shit that you buy from, oh, sorry, swearing. That's okay, cheap. we allow that here now. Yeah, we, we do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, our, that's our thing now. Yeah. <laughs> like the Roman armor and stuff I have is, is really, really heavy, and it's just because it's you know, poorly made. Um, I mean, her, her suit is like you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And it's, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. That's impressive. Yeah, and it looks really good in the, in the painting. It looks, you know, you, you can see how the pieces fit together. It's obvious that, that you really um, put some time into that and worked it all out um, um, how the armor works. Exactly what I didn't do with the wheelchair in my drawing. So I'm really impressed with that. Um, but the, each of these characters, um, uh, so the, I had multiple pieces for... Um, Dungeon Master's Guide and, and Player's Handbook, um, and they, did, they didn't actually direct me to, to make them all the same characters. Um, they just wanted a, a, a venturing party for each one. Um, but I kind of, I, I just wanted to have a storyline that kind of went through um, one party, uh, and it was also a lot easier just to have four people dress up as a single character each, as opposed to, you know, five different scenes and five <laughs> parties um, that's actually really awesome so that people will be reading the book now and, and, and there will be kind of a little narrative if they look at all your pictures yeah yeah yeah. hopefully that's kind of how it turns out so. that's great like a little hidden easter egg for people who know to look for it I, I really like the design of the archer too I mean I mean, you can't you can't see him as clearly as the, the uh, warrior in the foreground but you can sort of see that he's more wearing padding rather than Stiff armor, because yeah. he would need to be pretty flexible. You can see he's got like he's got you know the the wrist guards and and so forth, and he's got really big ears. Yeah, he's like he's like <laughs> pres he's like President Obama or Bush. They both have really big ears. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm liking what I'm seeing. There, you know, I really love the palettes that you've got here, and you're you're doing with the palettes what I'm talking about trying to do in future is to narrow the palettes down and to make better use of saturated color. 
hue shifts and stuff like that was one of the big things I was trying to focus on, just subtle hue shifts in skin and, and different areas around the piece. That was, um, well, I was talking to Jesper yesterday, um, and uh, that was one of the big things I learned from Donato's, uh, Donato's class was um, just a lot of subtle hue shifts and, and um, uh, you know, playing with translucency and light refraction and um, a lot of stuff that you, you get from actually looking at photography, um, you know, zooming in and looking at how, um, uh, you know, you, you end up having, like, cool and warm blooms off of different areas of, of metal and um, skin and, and stuff like that. I still don't understand it. <laughs> it's voodoo. Well, there's a lot to understand because, you know, lighting can affect so much. I don't know if you saw the, the link, um, but that was the piece, uh, the Jeff Easley piece that um, oh. I kind of pulled from, from memory um, was the way he did spells was this kind of um, almost like ocean-like um, Oh, yeah, I know that one. Stuff like that. And, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of these pieces actually, and the monster manual pieces I did too, I tried to actually pull from um, Parkinson and uh, Easley and um, some of the other guys from uh, earlier D&D stuff. So. I always hate doing pictures that have like magic <clears throat> effects in them because I'm always afraid they're going to look so cheesy. But yeah. I, I think even though you've used like some really vibrant blues for the magic here, it integrates really well with everything else that's going on, and you kind of avoid that um, super cheesy ball of energy look, even yeah. though there is a ball of energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but you avoid the cheese here, which is really good. I actually w would have liked to have spent more time on the background and on the power effect, you know, just getting a little tighter. Um, uh, it just feels kind of I don't know, it just kind of feels a bit blank up there. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, I kind, of, I kind of like what they do in some video games where, you know, um, they draw the ball of magic and then they draw a bunch of little runes or something around it. But yeah, yeah. That's kind of cheesy too in its own way. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to think, well, how would I represent magic so it doesn't look like anybody else's representation of magic, but you can still tell what it is. And it's kind of a limited spectrum of ways that you could do it. So, uh, you know, I think anybody who can make it look good has my respect. You know, I'm looking at um, the rightmost goblin, and it looks like they're compositionally, you, you, it seems like compositionally had no other choice. And I'm curious about it. Is that the um, the trailing hand is off off the scene? Mm -hmm. So you have the um, holding that uh, cleaver spear type of weapon. Yep. And I notice it goes off the page, just like that, right at the right at the wrist. Yeah. What I should have done was I should have used more passage on the on the wrist and really kind of blended it into the background, mm. um, or had more fog effect. I think going around that. Um, so, it, but I tried, tried, basically tried to balance the value to kind of vignette it sure. and not make it so much attention. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It isn't really a problem for me. No, I it's mean, not a problem. That's a that's the thing. It's don't really, you know, it depends. You know, some tangents are really a problem, and some of them you don't even really notice. Well, that's a, that's what's got me confused. Is because you know what, 
it it's not supposed to work, <laughs> but it seems to. <laughs> One way that you can make them work is to put them around where the natural horizon would be. Then the eye just reads it as a, as, um, you know, transition from one part of the picture to the other. Like if you have, um, if you're drawing like some bushes or something on the horizontal, then the eye doesn't really read where the bushes leave or the fence or whatever leaves mm -hmm. the canvas as a problem because it sees it as, rather than a tangent, it reads it as a dividing line between upper and lower part of the image. Like, I use that a lot too when I'm drawing a picture that has the underground, then the ground, and then the sky, which is sort of a recurring theme. Now, obviously, there's going to be two horizon lines there. But, you know, I find that it doesn't really become a distraction because the eye just reads it as a division. And here I think that kind of works because there's a line of metal going on with the sword of the warrior and her arm. And then mm -hmm. coming down the other side with the pole arm of this goblin. So mm -hmm. oh, I'm yeah. reading it. That's the thing. If, if, if I had done that, it's a broken image. I'd have broken it. <laughs> so <laughs> Somehow I, you managed to do it. <laughs> in that, in that part, path, like when you go up her arm and then down her other arm to the shield and then along, along the, the pole arm the goblin's carrying, I actually intentionally made a break there. Um, uh, because that was sitting in Todd, Lock Todd Lockwood's class. He talks about um, uh, breaking when you break the flow, creates tension um, uh, and, you know, kind of draws the eye. Mm -hmm. um, so that was actually intentional where essentially have this divisional line that goes across and breaks. Um, I probably should have, like, his ear, I probably should have not had his ear touching where it's, it seems like it's touching the shield. Because um, there's too much contact going there, but I, I kind of wanted to develop tension. Um, yeah, and the thing is, they're of similar value, so they don't, they don't, the contrast isn't enough to break what you've got going yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah, the ear, the ear is a problem for me. The ear does not cause a problem. Basically, but, they, uh, I think it's working really well. If the contrast had been pushed even a hair more, it would have read as a real tangent, but it's not really reading badly here at all. Uh -huh. But, uh, same with the, the line that follows her arm, goes up her head, and then the, the line, which is actually meant to be a rock formation in the background, it's kind of more abstract now, but um, where the spellcaster kind of breaks the line that kind of runs through the piece there. Mm -hmm. That was another thing. I was, I was trying to have the knight um, essentially breaking a lot of intersecting lines um, to kind of make it pop. Well, it yeah, well, yeah. The lines are reading, are reaching towards her. Yeah. You know, they're framing her. His shoulder, uh, the, the the archer. I kind of wished either she was moved, the knight was moved up higher, or his arm was lower, um, because it kind of points to the very top of her head. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have felt better if his arm was pointing exactly to her head. If that makes sense. Mm, but then he would have been firing his arrow wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I, I mean, it's it's a thing that I always struggle with myself because I'm always desperate to have perfect composition. Um, yeah. But sometimes you have to you have to give some concessions to the narrative. And yeah. 
you know, you have to think, okay, this composition may be a little better that way, but does it still actually make sense? And maybe the answer is no. So then you have to settle a little bit. If if I were to give ner- give uh, rise to the nerd in me, I'd be talking about, um, for instance, I don't know um, what reference you sought for um, the archer. Um, I'm curious because right now I'm looking at an arrow shaft that's on the opposite the side opposite the archer. Is that wrong? Usually, well, no, I that's mean, that's actually his shoulder pad. Huh? That's actually his shoulder pad. No, I mean, I'm looking at the the arrow as it's knocked on his bowstring. And I notice that the arrow is resting on the the outside uh, of the bow versus the side nearest, you know, on the interior, you know, on the arm side of the uh, huh. of the bow. Is it, isn't that where? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Usually, I well, I, you, they had a hole in the I went to. Here's the thing. Hole. I mean, I, I I went to. I was one of those guys who went to day camp. They did archery and all that, and all those nine yards, that sort of thing. Yeah. And generally, it looks. I mean, granted, there may be different schools of archery. The, what I was taught was that the arrow goes on the um, on the index finger side of the uh, of the bow itself versus the thumb side. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, I've ne- oh yeah, I've never seen a. The and I look at his uh, the hand drawing back on the bowstring. Usually, you're going to have just the fingertips on the bowstring versus the the knuckles. Oh, so you um, can just release. That, yes, that is actually just bad painting. Oh, <laughs> These are, but you know what? That's just like I said. That's just nerdly, yeah, ephemera. That's just trivial he's, knowledge. Yeah, but. he is actually. I'll, I'll, I'll load up the reference so you guys can see it because it's. It kind of shows you how much I kind of went into doing the reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and where is it? I, you know, I I think um, I had drawn every single bow and arrow I ever drew wrong because I thought that the um, the staff part of the bow had a little slit in it, and you thread the arrow through it. Well, it depends on the type of bow. Some bows were just a length of uh, you know a length of wood that had been tempered in such a manner, but there wasn't necessarily a place for the arrow rest. Oftentimes, it was rested right on the knuckle, you know, oh. of the hand. Yeah, I thought there was a hole in it, so the arrow went through the hole. So no, no. <laughs> no, because where would the fletchings go? I don't know. <laughs> Usually an arrow has three fletchings. As far At least the arrows that I, every arrow I ever saw was had three fletchings, and the uh, the exterior, the the top fletching was on the exterior of the bow, so it wouldn't be struck by the, uh, it wouldn't strike the bow. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I guess I thought they were flexible or something, so they just sort of, you know what? He is actually holding the arrow incorrectly. So, <laughs> well, yeah, um, these are just like you know what? They, like I say, that's just that's now just. That I'm looking at it. Hold on. Uh, we'll email to. But you know, it really annoys me when you know an artist posts something that's a very good picture, but like all kinds of nerds pop up and start being like, "Oh, oh, there's, there's a tiny little mistake here. How could you do that? This sucks." And they're talking about. Something that's really only nerds care about, <laughs> and, this, and I've noticed that this pops up the most with archery pictures and portraits. So you'll actually notice in the reference, I actually had, and this is what I remember now. Um, one of the changes Watsi asked for was for me to change how the arrow should be shot downward, not upward. Um, so originally, I did actually have his arms running towards the center of her head. Right. Uh, so you can. But this shows you how much I kind of got into the reference to this piece. Wow, that's really cool. 
I can't see it because I'm on my iPad, but I can believe it was really cool. But Carla, Carla we, we made a, uh, a beard for Carlos by um, <laughs> looking at individual hairs to his face. We just grabbed the, the um, uh, it's uh, like a uh, weave hair that you can get from hair shops. Mm -hmm. um, that is awesome. Put that in glue and then just sort of sponged it onto his face. And that actually made it stay on his face like real hair. Oh, yeah. His beard and all this other stuff. Well, whenever I put a fake beard on, I just use um, mascara. I draw mascara, beard, and mustache. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that you're using reference. You know, you're taking good, I've, your process is one where you're often using really good reference shots that you take. Yeah. And I, I when I was, you know, when I take reference, I have to be, uh, I've, I've made the mistake of following reference out the window. And um, <laughs> I've had people call me on stuff that I did, and I said, but it's in the reference shot. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, it's it was just, yeah. Like, yeah, see, he's he is actually holding the bow wrong, and I should have caught that. Um, like he's he's holding it between um, near his knuckles as opposed to the ends of his fingers. Uh, yeah, yeah, huh, that's amazing. It's just a, yeah, a good good catch there, Jeremy. Well, yeah, but you know what, guys? As I was saying, this is really. I mean. I think one of the threads that's going through most of our critique and the people who are kind enough to put their work up for us is I think we're finding we work and like we I think critiques can go from kind of like a drawing or any drawing or painting goes as that's from the general to the specific. Yeah. yeah. And we were you know I think at this point we're a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing I think we had to get the most general with my stuff. <laughs> but I think we we were getting more specific with your critiques. You know, I think uh, I think that just says that um, there's a lot of good, strong fundamentals going on, and the people who send us their work for critique and the stuff that we've put up here today, I think there's some good fundamentals at work, and then, then of course, we just get on each other about the nitpick stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sometimes the nitpick stuff can, you know, even the nitpick stuff can take you to like, uh, it can really make you think about what you did. Oh, sure. Like, like I mean. Jeremy calling me out on my choice not to use the texture I should have used. Um, like, that was something I was kind of iffy on, and, you know, having that called out on me, even though it seems like a nitpick, it's actually useful to me. Oh, sure. No, um, I, it's, a, you know, I think we sometimes, um, it's very easy for us to want to say, well, this is just a nitpick. But the truth is, I mean, it all, all the details add up to something important, you know, well, especially I mean, down the line. Like your, your nitpick on mine, it was like, it wasn't just a nitpick about I didn't use the texture. It was that I relied on hard lines to define something where that hadn't really been done throughout the rest of the picture and it didn't really belong. Yeah, I guess we can say that nitpicks lead to something fundamental. It does. It does. Um, not so much wrong. Is somebody I mean, is somebody eating their microphone? No, that was just me um, wriggling. I think. <laughs> you in a sleeping bag made of mylar? No, I'm just I'm kind of like lounging over my sofa at the moment because I was I was drawing to begin with and it was really hurting my back, so I sort of lay down mm -hmm. and and I was wriggling to kind of try to crack my back a little bit and. But yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that some nerds are like we worse than other nerds, like archery nerds and horse nerds. They will throw, 
they will throw out your whole picture as garbage because they see something in the horse or the arrow that they think is wrong. And, and you know, I just wanted to say to those people, F you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I just, I actually just did, I said, said all that just so I could say the line about the horse. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys, I have to uh, feed my little boy dinner. Okay. It's that appointed hour. Yeah. Well, that was a good show. Well done. Fun episode. Thanks again, you guys, for your critiques. That was really nice and good. Well, thank you guys for your thoughts on what I had to do. There's a lot of little fundamental, a lot of little nitpicks that lead up to fundamental things I need to address. So. Well, you know, we can come back and we'll critique each other again, maybe like next year, and then we'll be able to see how far we came from last time we did a critique episode. I mean, I think we've all, like the pieces that we all showed this time are way ahead of what we showed in our last self-critique episode. Yeah, I think my first critique was, uh, so Jeremy, when are you going to learn to draw and paint? No, we did not say that. You're, you're off to a killer start in that you own pencils and paints. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I think I saw, I mean, you know, it's hard to see your own development, but, like, just generally, I, I think I saw, like, a lot more sophistication going on with the pieces that we've shown off this year than the ones that we critiqued of each other's in previous years. So, you know, it, it looks we can all pat each other on the back a little bit and then get our lazy asses back to work. Well, you, you, hope you, you hope you make some progress every 365, you know? You hope so. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but then, you know, I, I don't know, this year I found that I looked at stuff from last year and I actually do see quite a big improvement. So I'm kind of happy, but the more I improve, the more I see room for improving. You know, I have to say real quickly, I did get a message from Denzel Jackson, who was very, oh, yeah. uh, who was very appreciative of the critique, and I think he went back in and addressed some things that we brought, that we had mentioned. Oh, awesome! So I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. That's was pretty cool. One, was he the one that we made fun of his name? What's that? Was he the one that we made fun of his name? Well, I'm pretty sure you made fun of his name. <laughs> that's a Sokar thing, you know, making fun of people's names with a name like yeah. Sokar. Oh, I know, I know. I, I don't have a single leg to stand on. Like, stupid name. <laughs> and actually, I found out since that episode, a lot of people have that name. It's like not a strange name at all. There's even a famous actor named Denzel. And his name is like Denzel Wilmington. And Washington. he was Washington. Yes. I should just stop talking about people's <laughs> names now. <laughs> I'm not even getting them right. <laughs> and Jeremy has to run. So. Yeah, little guy is done. He's been watching Daniel Tiger. Okay. And I have to say, it's it's probably not a good sign that I know the songs to just about every Daniel Tiger episode of first season. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't even know what. Well, you're, it's you're it's a reimagining of, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. In the land of oh. make believe, it all takes place in the land of make believe. You know what you should get for him. You should get the Cosgrove Hall um, animated version of The Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Yeah, they used all these, like, um, uh, polymer clay, um, or, no, no, um, some kind of flexible plastic uh, models 
and it was like stop motion animation, but it was so true to the book, and it was just beautiful and wonderful. Ah. And you're you're you reading would love it. All children of the wind and the willows. I, he will definitely be a, he will be introduced at the appropriate time. It's gonna be good. Hey, okay. hey all right, guys. Are you on, what's uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, and I'm gonna say thank you all for joining us this week, Kieran Yanner. And you can. We've. Uh, at, I'm sorry. Kirinyana.com. Soccer Miles. At gorblimey.com. Patrick McAvoy. At megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, <laughs> and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. Let us cue the musication.